Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast, and as always, thanks for joining me. This is probably the most controversial topic I've ever touched because people will shut this topic down instantly. We're talking about Flat Earth, but I'm not that across all the details and theories actually about the topic, so I thought I'd reach out to someone who knew a lot more. So I reached out to Mark Sargent. Now, Mark has been a very big ambassador for Flat Earth for the last couple of years now. And if you don't know his name, I'm sure if you're kind of aware of the topic, you might have seen some of his videos on YouTube. He's done stuff with National Geographic. If you've watched the recent documentary Behind the Curve, which is currently on Netflix, uh, he makes an appearance in that documentary. So he is definitely a perfect candidate to come on and talk to us about Flood Earth. But before we get into that, though, I just want to do a bit of housekeeping. So if you enjoy this episode or any of our previous episodes of the podcast, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever hosting service you use. It will obviously you know, keep you up to date with whenever I post a new episode, which is every two weeks or thereabouts. We're on Facebook and Instagram, so just search Paranormal Thoughts Podcast and we'll come up there. We have our blog, which is paranormalthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com. There'll be a bunch of links uh, and a bunch of stuff that we sort of reference uh, in this podcast. So if you jump onto the blog, you can suss that out. Also, if you want to donate to the podcast, there is an option to do that through PayPal. That link and all of the links I've just sort of mentioned for everything will be in the description of this podcast. Big thank you to Mark for coming on and taking the time to speak with me. I think it's definitely one of the interviews I haven't really been that across um, the topic because like any sort of conspiracy theory, you really have to spend some time to kind of get to know it. And I knew the sort of surface level, but I kind of wanted him to come on and just talk and kind of not convince me necessarily, but I wanted to hear where he was coming from. And you'll actually hear in this interview, you, my, you probably hear at the start, I'm you know, just asking for general questions and then a sort of light bulb moment kind of happens for me and you'll you're here when that kind of happens and I can start to open up a bit more. I hope you guys enjoy. Hey, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm not too bad. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. And Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Happy to do it. I've got a couple questions, Mark. Like, I'll, I'll be pretty straightforward, I suppose. Like, yeah. obviously, Flat Earth um, is something I've been pretty interested in, uh, just, just of recent. I'm a pretty big conspiracy theorist kind of guy myself. And obviously 
Flat Earth uh, is become pretty popular in the last couple of years, right? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> as you would know, but I think oh, yeah. for me, it's one I've been I've known about, but as soon as you kind of hear about it, you know, it kind of has, you get negative sort of connotations about it and so on and so forth, but I feel like Flat Earth is really one of those ones where people just shut it down straight away, right? Like it definitely, people just don't want a bar of it. Would that be safe to say? Oh yeah, yeah. Me, me included. Nobody likes it immediately. Um, most people, even when they're looking into it, even if they want to really absorb it, it takes them two weeks to to get around the conditioning. And and that's mostly because of the icons. Uh, I I can't really speak for Australia, but in the United States, for example, when you're six years old, there's two things you will always see in your classroom. One is the American flag up in the corner, and the other is a globe which is sitting usually right below it. And that's powerful conditioning. You know, even though you're just kind of looking at a toy, you know, just this illustrated toy, you, it sits there quietly in the classroom for 12 years to where uh, the conditioning, you know, becomes Orwellian at that point. You're, I mean, think of it this way. When we get out of high school, we're willing to, a lot of Americans are willing to fight for the American flag and the globe is no different. When I first clicked on my, the, the first Flat Earth video I ever saw in 2015, I got a, vis, a visceral response. I actually got flushed. I was embarrassed to click on it. And I was a conspiracy guy and I'd seen a lot of weird stuff on the internet, right? There's, there's a lot of weird stuff out there. I had never been embarrassed before. And I, and I caught myself doing it where I was going, why, why is this thing affecting me? It's a stupid conspiracy. In fact, it's one of the worst conspiracies you could think of. And that's how I knew that there was something more to it initially. I think people are really going to resonate with that, that you even coming into it like, what is this? And this is like the most bizarre thing I've ever heard of. And then obviously there was a couple um, a couple holes in you know the stories that you're kind of hearing and you wanted to look more into it. So I think that's really great for just yeah. people to get their heads around. It's like you're not just um, – because it's so easy to get excited about a conspiracy, but as you said, like you were kind of – you didn't really want to look too much into it. And then when you did, well, it just opened up a lot of uh, questions, I suppose. The, the average person, for example, uh, and, I, and I've run into it, you know, we, we've never had any sort of violent confrontations between flat earthers and not flat earthers. But what I try to tell people when they get upset, because again, people that are listening to this are, are, I mean, there's probably people like looking for your email address right away going, oh, I am writing this guy. It's like, do you even know why you're upset? That's the other thing, which is, it's like, do you even know why you're, you know, you're, you're resisting, why you're just pushing against this thing harder than anything else? Um, the story I talked about in the, in the first Flat Earth Clue is where I literally have friends that think the entire royal family of Britain is made up of lizard people. Yeah. And, and Ed, I'll go, I go, yeah, if you looked into Flat Earth, they don't get the hell out of here. It's like, <laughs> why wouldn't you ever look into Flat Earth? It's like, and, and I look at them and go, really? Because you, lizard people, you know, that whole thing. And, and they're like, yeah, Flat Earth is infinitely more uh, ridiculous than that. And I was going, wow, is it? Uh, and yeah, it's it's a fascinating journey if if when you when you get into it because uh, there's all these little twists and turns. And again, what I told people, and I told myself when I was making the clues, I said if any one of the clues that I'm I'm starting down points to something else, points in a different direction, I'm I'm walking away from flat Earth, and it never did. To where again, you know, I I put the the call out to the internet in 2015, and I said. Really help me out here. T- tell me, tell me where I'm wrong, because for whatever reason, I can't prove the globe in a court of law anymore. And that's and I, I I've got to preface it with this, uh, which is 
we're not. I can I can I show you right now? Can I prove to you the 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 world is flat? Absolutely, you know, absolutely no, I cannot. But like a court case, I can create so much reasonable doubt in the globe that the only place that you have left to turn is some sort of flat Earth model. And you say, well, no reasonable doubt isn't enough. I go, really? Because it works in court every single day. And that's all people need. Why don't you just give us a little bit of your background, Mark? Like, who sure. are you and where did this all kind of start for you? Well, I used to be a proprietary software trainer. I, I started out my career in the 90s playing video games for a living in Boulder, Colorado, which is really weird. I mean, I was one of the first people ever to play video games for a living. Oh, wow. uh, hired by a little publisher that published games and nobody in the company actually played games, which is like, that's of course, we all know better now. It's like you've got to hire ringers. And I was very good uh, at, at games and especially pinball for whatever reason. I, I, I like stand-up pinball, which I know the pinball industry died in 99. Anyway, after that, uh, I taught proprietary software and traveled around the country and, and other countries um, teaching blue-collar factories about time and attendance software. And I got pretty good at boiling down complex subjects and theories into something that the average person on the street could understand. And I did that for the better part of 20 years in, in Colorado. And then I, during that whole time, I got into conspiracies. And I got into conspiracies fairly late. I'm older, but I got into them fairly late where uh, the first conspiracy I even heard of was, was JFK, you know, from the movie back in the early 90s, the Oliver Stone movie. And then I, I over the next 20 years, you know, as the internet grew, which was kind of a, a great way to get into the internet, you know, when it was like just starting out, when you could actually finish the internet, there wasn't that much out there. Um, I, I had an opinion on just about every conspiracy you could think of. And everybody knows, everybody in the conspiracy world knows, heck, everybody in the world knows about Flat Earth. I have yet to run into a single person that I've said, oh yeah, Flat Earth, and they look at me, you know, like I asked them a math problem, and they said, I had never heard of it. And everybody hates it, <laughs> including me. It's it's literally the last thing you would ever look at. Everybody looks at every other conspiracy, you know, like Bigfoot having Elvis's baby, and, you know, the Loch Ness Monster Church, and stuff like that. I mean, there's all sorts of fun conspiracies out there. I just made up the Loch Ness Monster Church, by the way. <laughs> That's a good one. And you're, you're like, wait, wait, is that the thing? No, it's not. <laughs> And then I, just out of conspiracy boredom, and, and I'll, I'll coin that term, conspiracy boy, boredom, I looked into it in 2014, the, the summer of 2014. It was just a video that was recommended, this random video by a German guy uh, in YouTube. And I looked into it about flight routes, and I looked at it, and I was going, huh, that's really interesting. I mean, I didn't know German, but I knew the graphics, and I was going, huh. It, be, he basically was saying the flight routes don't make sense in the in the southern hemisphere, and from from southern to southern, not southern to northern. And I looked at it, and I'm going, oh, that's that's really interesting. So then I looked at other things that were kind of tied to it, and the more I looked into it, I well, then I I, I decided I'd dedicate myself to like shutting it down. It's like, okay, I will now officially look at this, check it off my bucket list, and go back to my life. And it just snowballed to where there I was nine months. Months later, it should have only taken me a couple days to knock this thing out. Nine months later, I'm I'm just staring at my machine, going, "Okay, something's horribly wrong here." And it was kind of like a slow motion version of of you know the whole Neo journey, really, really slow. And I said, "That's when I said to make the flat Earth clues," which again was just kind of a cry for help. I, I knew the Internet hive mind was very, very intelligent. I mean, much more intelligent than any individual. And so I put it out there and uh, really thought that some academic was going to blow me out of the water within 
I don't know, a couple days. That's why that's why I put my phone number and my email address out there. It's like, yeah, call me. <laughs> Tell me, help help me, please. <laughs> and it was the opposite. Uh, not only did I have people wanting to to talk to me about it interview wise, but you know, the average person was just calling me. And then subject matter experts were calling me from from all different walks of life. And you know, military and and civilian and engineers and anyone that had to do anything with flight, and they all said the same thing. It's like, yeah, you know what? It's not that crazy because we have all heard of the curvature of the Earth and the spin of the Earth, and nobody uses it in their calculations when when they do their their day to day jobs re- regarding this stuff. And that's that was four years ago, and now you know we're on tour. <laughs> We're, there's I've, like I've already done three conferences this year, and the next one. In fact, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods. Um, I think like in two weeks, and then I've got a, a conference in Ohio, Stockholm, UK, uh, Mount Shasta, California. There's one in Amsterdam, which I'm not even going to. Then I, I didn't get invited. I don't know why. And then uh, Dallas, Texas. And then I just heard like three days ago that uh, there's going to be one, in, you know, starting off at the beginning of next year in Serbia. So I was like, okay, sure, why, why not? So yeah, it's it's way. We, we made the. Um, I'll, I'll drop it in Skype for you. We just made the cover of Newsweek. Wow. It's like, okay, that that's a thing now. So yeah, it's gotten way way bigger than I thought it would ever be. Uh, uh, the the scientific journals are now losing it. Because they, they don't know what to do, you know, because it's becoming a big deal. I mean, I had National Geographic ask me if this was going to usher in the new, the next Dark Ages. Wow. And I, I thought, wow, that might be a little dramatic. But, <laughs> I, you know, it's not like we're going out there. We're not burning down libraries yet. So I, I don't I don't think that'll happen, but you never know. How insane, though, that something that you found out about all these years ago has now spiraled into, you know, you traveling around the world and it's your life now, isn't it? Well, it is, and it kind of feels like, I hate to say this, but it kind of feels like it's being allowed to happen. I, I, I got to use a line from Star Wars, if you're, if you're ever a Star Wars fan, like the, the first one where Carrie Fisher, uh, Princess Leia, you know, when the, the Falcon escapes from the Death Star, she goes, she goes, that was too easy. They let us go, you know, like they're, they're tracking us. He's like, oh, not this ship, sister. And, and that's when I, I try to tell people when, you know, when they say, oh, YouTube's trying to censor us and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, no. YouTube has been helping us, you know, and their parent company, Google, for at least three years helping us. We've been recommended so many times for anything. So yeah, we're it's I but I, I do believe that there's some, that we're not being the resistance we've gotten from the powers that be has been token at best. I mean, even when Neil deGrasse Tyson went on Comedy Central. He, you know, when he did that seven-minute rant against us, and he was really trying to rant. Well, supposedly he was ranting against rapper Bob because he was rapper Bob was the one that called him out in a song. Uh, he was really going against us, but he didn't bring his A game. You know, he didn't use any graphics, no animations, no no formulas. He just talked for seven minutes and you know lost the audience almost immediately. Uh, but but sorry, let me let me circle back. Which is because you you mentioned you know kind of like how and why and you know this thing's gotten so big. Part of the reason this thing has gotten so big is because it's easy to explain now. Uh, it is the the heliocentric the solar system model is quite complicated compared to the flat Earth model. I mean, you need geometry and trigonometry and and calculus and eventually quantum physics. Whereas the flat Earth model, uh, it's basically just a snow globe. 
you know, it's it's a terrarium, it's a planetarium, it's just a big box, it's a big soundstage, and and it needs almost no math. And that works because people are really susceptible to easy things. You know, the average person, uh, again, can't speak for Australia, in the United States doesn't even remember algebra from high school. Right? And I was I was one of those people. So like when the curvature of the earth formula came out, uh, I, I, it took me a while. It's like, oh, right, that stuff. It's, you know, I'm flashing back to my younger, younger days. And that, that's so, that has worked. You know, people want easy stuff. If the flat Earth model is now easier to, to explain than the solar system model, then that's what they're going to go with. And that's why it just keeps resonating and resonating. Uh, there was a study done. It was concerning scientists enough to where they went to one of their research teams out in the UK called U.gov. And they did a survey to where uh, they were asking you know, 10,000 Americans what they thought about the shape of the Earth, blah, blah, blah. And they noticed as they got younger as they skewed to the younger uh, demographics that the numbers kept going up and up and up to where 18 to 24 year olds were skewing like a full, like over a third, like 33, 34% not believing in the globe anymore. And that spooked a lot of people, uh, you know, especially like national geographic and it made a lot of major news stories and sci- In fact, it got bad enough to where science was actually turning on themselves that where the science, other scientific groups were going to you.gov saying, well, you, you did the study wrong, obviously. Because it couldn't be that number couldn't be right, you know they were in such denial they they were actually attacking their own and it's like well what are you talking about u.gov is like one of your benchmarks it's the, some of the guys you go to we didn't ask them to do the survey you did this and uh, they yeah it, it's it's gotten really really weird. All right, so I'm sure everyone's just dying to know what are your yes reasons for believing that the earth is flat i'll give you different reasons from the clues because the clues you know weren't exactly scientific they were really connect the dots more than anything i'll give you my five quick points that i that i give people um the first one it would be long distance photography which is uh you know if the curvature of the earth is eight inches per mile squared and i didn't come up with this one These, these are all points that people brought up to me it had nothing to do with the clues uh, but long distance photography, if the, if the curvature of the earth is eight inches per mile squared, which is eight inches per mile per mile, and that's not hard. I know people are going, I don't remember algebra. No, no, it's easy. So all you do is you take, um, whatever distance it is and multiply it by itself. So it's five miles. It's five times five, which is 25. And then times that times eight inches and you get a number and it gets steeper and steeper. So it's not stairs because everyone thinks, oh, it's eight inches per mile. It's no, that's a slope. If you need a, to do a curvature, it's got to be squared. So like say at a hundred miles, for example, it's a hundred times a hundred uh, which is 10,000 times, it gets really, really steep. So like at 50 miles, for example, it's about 1,700 feet of curvature. So you look off into the distance and you shouldn't, remember, because it should be behind the curve, it should be on the other side of the hill, you shouldn't see objects uh, lower than 1,700 feet. Now I know there's going to be people say, well, no, it's refraction and lights being bent and all this stuff. It's like, well... Yes and no. I mean, yes, we are looking through uh, like a, a, a thin version of water right now. Most people don't remember that like the stuff that we're breathing in right now is mostly nitrogen. <clears throat> it's mostly um, – it's only – it's less than 20 percent oxygen and it's about 80 percent nitrogen. And I know there's trace gases, but let's keep it simple. Um, but 
I've seen time-lapse footage from 50 miles where there is no mirage, nothing wavers, like the Chicago skyline over Lake Michigan where, um, you know, the weather comes in, it gets light and dark, uh, and then, you know, the um, just about any type of light conditions that you can think of that, that are happening during the day, and it, and it never, ever happens. The, if it's a mirage, then it's the most amazing mirage ever because it persists. And I'm not talking just about Chicago, talking about any of them. They persist through any light conditions, any weather conditions, just about any distance and any location. And and it can be targeted with weapon systems and destroyed. That's that's the big one. I had military guys saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're using two-degree beam radar to hit, hit things at 50 nautical miles. And we should, the thing is, we shouldn't even be able to see it at 50 nautical miles. So why are we painting the target for the Sparrow missile system? And the, nobody can explain it. That's that's the first one, long-distance photography. Uh, the, the short version is this. The boat that goes over the horizon. Ten years ago, I would have been absolutely with you. Uh, you know, That's the argument against flat Earth. Boats going over the horizon. We all know it. They go hole first, and they're gone. They're gone. They're never to, be, never to return. It's like, well, now HD cameras have changed that. Uh, the Nikon P1000, a perfect example, or the P900, which used to be the old version, um, you can now zoom in and bring those boats back into frame. And you can keep bringing it back. And you say, well, what's the point? My point is, well, that boat is gone. It should be gone over the horizon, and yet you can keep bringing this boat back. It's, it's there. It's absolutely there. Uh, second one would be gravity versus the vacuum of space. That's a fun one where uh, gravity so uh, science will say that the only reason our atmosphere is clung to this ball is because of gravity and if it wasn't for that we'd be dead because the the atmosphere would just be peeled off and it's like well I, i've talked to industrial vacuum experts that say it should be peeled off anyway because vacuum will always win against gravity i'll give you a, a short demonstration let's say uh you're sitting where you are now and there's a second floor to your building and you make that second floor into a vacuum chamber and you put a cork in the ceiling and you pop it. Well, what do you think is going to happen? Every scientist, in the, every scientist in the world is going to say the same thing. It's like, oh, it's going to equalize instantly. It's going to be violent and you're going to pass out and maybe even die. Depending on how big the vacuum chamber is upstairs. Well, my argument is why didn't gravity keep all the air in your room down below? And, and they don't have an answer for this. It's like, uh, well, because it's just equals. I go, well, what's the difference between the gravity on the ground right now in your room and, you know, the vacuum chamber in above you immediately or a vacuum chamber in space? In fact, the, the big question I pose to science is where is the bleeding edge of space? Where is our atmosphere? Where does our atmosphere end and space begin? And tell me how that works, because it absolutely defies one of the laws of thermodynamics, which says pressure needs a container, period. Uh, contents under pressure. We all know this. Can of hairspray, can of paint. Contents under pressure. If you if you pump up a basketball or a football or soccer ball or whatever you guys call it down there, rugby ball, uh, it goes it goes rigid. You know, that's what pressure does. And nobody can explain it. Um, third one is, they're a little quicker now, uh, third one is the eclipse of the, um, the, the moon shadow during a solar eclipse. So if the moon is 2,000 miles wide, uh, it passes you know, in front of the sun right before the earth, why is the eclipse shadow only 70 miles wide? Why is the blackout zone only 70 miles wide? That's a 97% decrease. That's, that should be impossible. It's like you walking next to a, a wall and your shadow shrinks down to the size of an action figure. Uh, how how does that happen? We don't see that in, in real life. And science, you'll say, well, science says that, you know, you'll see the diagrams where it, it con converges the, the shadow down to this point. I'll go, okay, fine. You want to do that, then the, should, the same should apply. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. 
should apply to the moon uh, when the Earth is in front of it. So if the Earth is four times as wide, it's 8,000 miles wide, supposedly, then the blackout zone should be 240, 250 miles wide. So, or I'm sorry, 280 miles wide. Whew, screwed that up. Uh, 280 miles wide. We should see a blackout zone across the moon that's about 280 miles wide, about the tenth size of the moon. It would be very easily visible even without uh, binoculars. We never, ever see that. We either see the phases of the moon or we see a blood moon. It's the exact opposite. How does that work? What, how is, you know, you're talking about two completely different situations. I mean, as far as two completely results, but the same physics involved. Does it ever happen? Uh, fourth one would be the moon temperature, which I didn't even believe. I was in a flat earth a year and somebody told me this and I said, get out of here. Kind of like the lizard people think I go, they said, somebody called me up during a show and said, yeah, by the way, the moon, um, generates a cold light. It's like a cold laser. And I go, what? I go, how's that working? And they explained it to me, son, it's 80 degrees in the shade or give or take. And that's because the, the object is blocking some of the sun's rays. Well, if it's in the moonlight, it's the exact opposite. So if it's 50 degrees in the moon light, it's 60 degrees in the moon shade. In fact, up to 13 degrees swing, it's warmer in the moon shade, quite a bit warmer. And that shouldn't be. Remember, the sun is lit. I'm sorry, the moon is lit because the sun is reflecting off of it. Some of its radiation is bouncing off of it. At the very least, it should be neutral. It should never go negative. And it's like science is absolutely denying this. And you can go test this yourself. Go down to the hardware store, buy one of those point-and-click infrared thermometers they use for engines and roads. And you can go test this yourself. That's, that's a cheap way of doing it. I've had people test it with copper strips and water with digital thermometers. In fact, they've done uh, three groups. It's not, and it's really fascinating. You you test the moonlight, you know, the, the temperature of the water and moonlight, the temperature and moon shade. And then I, I was the one that came up with this. I go, what happens if you take a magnifying glass to moonlight? Does it get warmer or does it get even colder? It gets colder. It gets even colder than normal moonlight. And I didn't even know this was a thing. We can you think, wow, this is really far-fetched. It's like, no, we can duplicate this in a lab right now. It's called a cold laser. Um, we've been able to do this for some years now where you, you just tune the frequency of a laser. Now, it's not like a, a Batman, Dr. Freeze um, Dr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze beam where, you know, he points stuff and you can, you know, turn things into icicles, but you can actually make things slightly colder with a cold laser. So why is the moon generating a cold laser light? It's self-illuminated. Does that prove a flat earth? Nope, but it absolutely destroys the relationship between the sun and the moon. Last but not least would be my fifth point with these, uh, the Van Allen radiation belts, which is, uh, it's a trap question and it cannot be beaten. No one has ever even come close to beating it to this day. I mean, people flail about, and they, they basically just change the, 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 the conditions of the questions. Like obviously you say, well, you're doing it wrong. It's like, no, 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 here it is. Are the Van Allen radiation belts deadly? Yes or no. For those of your listeners who don't remember what those are, they are they were discovered by NASA, go figure, in 1959, a year after NASA was founded by a guy named Van Allen, who uh, said that, yeah, there's, there's bands of radiation up there that are super, super, super deadly. No one should ever go up there. And yet, almost immediately afterwards, Kennedy says, oh, yeah, we're going to go to the moon. It's like, what? Okay. So they had to go back to Van Allen. He goes, oh, we're going to just go real fast. They're not as deadly as I initially had published. Whatever. So they're really, really deadly. So are they deadly? Yes or no? Uh, if you say yes, then how did the Americans with the Apollo program do round trips, a whole bunch of them, through the belts to the moon and back 
Nobody died. Nobody got radiation poisoning. Nobody got cancer. There's still five of them walking around today. They all, they've all died of natural causes, and they used no shielding whatsoever. They used aluminum and plastic. Aluminum and plastic cannot stop radiation. Only three things we know of can stop it. Lead, gold, and a whole bunch of water. Which is why I use them for like power plants. If you say no, they're not deadly, then I point you directly at the NASA website and they've got a video out there. And of course, it's been replicated on the, on the internet many, many times uh, called Orion Trial by Fire, which is about their Mars program, which they keep kicking the can down the road. At the end of 2014, they made a video that specifically covered this. And they said, oh, yeah, we're not going to test the capsules with people because we haven't solved the radiation problem yet of the Van Allen belts. And they talked about how deadly they were. And, and of course, it's got to make you scratch your head because, like, what do you mean you haven't solved the problem yet? You, you solved it perfectly back in 1969. In fact, you, you never had a problem ever. No one ever had an issue. In fact, it's amazing. The, the capsules went straight through the belts in, you know, multiple ways. They, they should have been just glowing by the time they were done. And yet they're sitting in the Smithsonian and a Geiger counter, you can put it up to it right now and it reads nothing. Like it, like it never happened. So how does that work? So there you go. Those five things. Again, do any of those absolutely prove that, that the earth is flat? No, it does, does not. But uh, it raises a whole bunch of questions. And they all point towards the same thing. Especially when you put them all together like that, it does actually start to build quite a case to yeah. look into it, this more, right? Yeah, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a case. It shouldn't be a thing. This this should not be, you know, people... It. This was something where, you know, the, one of the obvious things that people will come back, especially in the conspiracy world, they'll say, well, it's too big and you'd need too many people to, to cover this up. It would, it would involve millions and millions of people. And it's like, no, 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 it's the opposite. It's actually very, very few people, few, few people that know because there's very few people who actually be able to, to detect it. Um, the, one of my little catch paragraphs is that we're talking – basically I'm saying that – that you you're living in a box you're living in a giant building one with walls and a floor and a ceiling that's so big that even our best and brightest didn't figure it out until 1960 and when they did they decided okay let's just keep this thing as quiet as possible and and you were in 99% of the people that work for any space program don't know anything they turn wrenches they they polish capsules they build fuel systems they don't have to know anything it's only the telemetry guys the guys that do the data they're the ones that that have to uh that they have to fake the stuff and even then I, you can compartmentalize it and say yeah the they don't they don't have to know why they're faking it they just know that they're faking it it's sort of like the astronauts nowadays yeah. the astronauts are just they're just air force they're just military guys they're they're air force officers and not and not low ranking officers. You know, most of them when they when they leave the program, they're full bird colonels. So you know, they follow orders. Uh, if I ever get an, an, another astronaut that I get to talk to, I think one of the questions I'm going to ask him is, have, "Have you ever disobeyed a direct order?" I, I guarantee he hasn't, because otherwise he wouldn't be a colonel. So you know, they're they're told to you know basically it's kind of like a spy that's sent out to to assassinate somebody. Right? They're just told he's going to be at this location at this day, and this is where he'll shoot from, <laughs> and you need to take care of this. They don't go. They don't tell the spy all the political intrigue around it. It's like, okay, here's what he did, and you know this long backstory. The in fact, the assassin doesn't care. You know, they're just told it's like, okay, that's that's compartmentalization. Uh, the astronauts nowadays, they're told it's like, okay, you're going to fake this for national security, and unfortunately, you're not high enough rank to even ask why. We're not going to give you a, a briefing on it. 
and I get it. That's what that's the difference between the astronauts we have now and the Apollo astronauts. The Apollo astronauts, I think, I think knew, and that's why they became recluses and started drinking. And uh, all the astronauts now, the, it's just a not, it's just a job to them. They just go out and fake it, and, and I'm sure they know. They've heard whispers of why, but eh, you know, they're 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 just paid to keep their mouth shut and they go on book tour. It's, and it's pr- quite lucrative for them. If you're a, 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 a enthusiastic and articulate enough astronaut, after you're done, you can do some book tours and do some public speaking things and, you know, have some high schools named after you. Definitely. Just going back to those five points, the one that obviously stands out for me is definitely the uh, Van Allen belt. Cause that's always, obviously I've done an episode on, um, the moon landing being faked and things along those sort of lines. So I'm quite yeah. interested in that sort of um, concept. And as you just said there, like if if it is dangerous, then there's a bunch of questions there. And if it isn't, then it just raises a whole other sort of bunch of questions. I've never looked at it uh, from both of those sides, I suppose. And seeing that there's their argument doesn't stack up either way, it's kind of like, wow, okay, that's that really does make you start to think then well, what, oh, yeah. what the, is it, right? And- yeah, and the moon landing. Uh, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Um, that was one of the things, you know, because again, I've looked at it just about every conspiracy, and the moon landing never resonated with me for a while as far as um, why they would fake it. Because, and again, I'm always stunned outside of our country, outside of the United States, why people believe the Americans. It's like, why? It's like we lie about everything constantly. We're you know, we because we want to be the good guys. We we want to portray. It's like, oh yeah, we're the we're the hero in this story, <laughs> you know. We're the white hats. And when it came to the moon landing, I never understood why. It was like, yeah, I I got it. it's like, okay, well they did it for American pride, you know, to like elevate us artificially above other countries, which is you know, wave the flag, rah rah, go team, America's the greatest, right? Well, that's a good answer, I guess, but it's not a great answer, especially since we never stayed on the moon. That was the thing that threw me more than anything. It's like, okay, so we went molten. We we went what six times in three years, which is an amazing timetable. We just went back and back, and like like we were. It was a commuter week. Oh, we're just gonna go to the moon and back. And at the end, they said, well, nobody cares. So it's like the American public doesn't care. Like like they care what the American public thinks in 1972. It's like nope. Like the ratings, the television ratings. Nobody was watching the moon missions, and it's because they were boring anyway. They were terrible, grainy productions. And after 1972, they said, "Well, that's it, Apollo 17, and uh, you know, uh, we're that's the you know they treat it like a television series. Yeah. It's like, well, rate, ratings are down, so that's it. This is the last episode. Good night, everybody, and roll credits. And they never, nobody ever went back that since. And that was the other thing. No other country since 1972 has ever gone. The the Russians, remember that was a space race. That was a yeah. thing, and they and they just glossed over that. Is like the second the Americans got there." The Russians quit. The Soviet Union quit. <laughs> it's like I've never seen that in the history of sports. It's what are you talking about? They quit. Everyone knows how this would have gone. Yeah. The Russians would have put five people. We would have put ten. They put a small base. We put a bigger base. And then Time Magazine runs a story that says, "Has the Cold War reached the moon?" That's how it would have gone. And it's the exact opposite happened, where the Americans went, and then the Russians just said, "Well." That's it then. <laughs> it's like what? And and then no other country went. I mean, uh, at least manned. Of course, you know they've said there, there's probes being sent. Supposedly China has a rover on there right now, and yet it can't beam back anything. So uh, sorry. So there's two parts of that. So that's the first thing, which is like okay, that part didn't make sense. But 
the Apollo footage has aged so terrible. In fact, I will send you real quick, which is a shot that I just, uh, just a random shot I found of Apollo 12. It's an image. This is just a random Apollo 12 image. You know, there's there's tons of them. This one's wonderful. You know, it's a beautiful shot. Yeah. And uh, it, it basically shows the capsule and the two astronauts on the moon. A lot of people don't know. There's only two ever on the moon. There's three that go, but there's one that, that lives up in an orbiting thing above the moon, which, you know, the capsule docks with and they head back to Earth. Oh, a bunch of crap. So I look at this photo, for example, and I, I throw this out during public speaking things. I go, tell me how many things you can see wrong with this photo. And I go, because there's at least six <laughs> things wrong. It's a beautiful shot, but the longer you stare at it, the worse it gets. It does, doesn't um, it? Like I'm just looking at it uh, now and some I'll put this up on the um on the Paranormal Thoughts blog for everyone, but just by looking at it, um, yes, things start to stand out, don't they? Which just don't make oh, sense. It's first off, it's a beautiful shot. It, it's an amazing shot considering the the person taking the camera with apparently a radiation proof camera. Uh, the, he has he has no viewfinder. He doesn't even know what he's looking, he's looking at. at it's, yeah, it's framed perfectly. Um, the most obvious. I'll take this out of the way. You know, just because it's the it's the most common. That is, there's no stars in the image, and there's no stars in any image ever taken uh, away from the Earth, away from Earth orbit. You never ever ever see stars. And they said, well, it's an exposure setting. It's like, okay, so change the freaking exposure setting. You didn't have one camera that could do exposure setting differently. The, the, it should be the most beautiful starry sky ever. Because remember, there's, there's no atmosphere on the moon. And the reason why they didn't do, they didn't put stars in for obvious reasons was that the nerds back in the day, and it really hasn't changed, because everything's time, time date stamped. So like this image, you can read below it, it's time date stamped. And that means the stars are going to be in a particular place and it exactly, you know, people, physics guys could be able to work out exactly like the belt of Orion should be in the, let's say in the upper right hand corner. Well, if one nerd says, no, it should be, you know, if it's in the upper left instead, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. Yeah. It's the stars, the, the clock system of the stars make it a literal nightmare to try to, to line everything up. So they said, you know what, just, we're just going to black it out. There's going to be no stars ever. Okay, I get that. That was logistically a sound move, and because the, and other than that, it would have been it turned into a nightmare all the way. Uh, second thing, of course, you probably see the the shadows are yeah. all intersecting. It's severely intersecting. We've got shadows from the lem, the dish, the photographer, and the flag all pointing in different directions. That is impossible to do with a single light source, unless the single light source is only. 50 yards away and you know basically a studio light that's that's how that happens shadows always run parallel with one light source they, they always go in one direction we've known this since we were kids you can test this on earth all day long does not it's not different on the moon a vacuum chamber doesn't change the direction of these things the, the shadows should never ever intersect uh, the blast crater that, that doesn't exist, the, you know, the LEM, you know, you've got the, the lunar module there with a, a massive nozzle beneath it, which kicks up a huge amount of thrust. That's how it lands. There should be an amazing splay pattern of this thing when it landed. That doesn't exist. It's like this LEM was just set down. The, you remember, we were walking on ash, and they put the ash in there deliberately to do the whole footprint thing because that's easy way to do the soundstage. You can't do a soundstage with solid rock. It's, it's really, really, really difficult to do. You would have to build – the only way you could do that is if you built a soundstage on rock, <laughs> which you're not going to do. This was shot somewhere else, and they brought in the ash, which, of course, is a whole other question, which is how deep exactly is the ash? You never saw these guys with a shovel. 
digging in, you know, like for example, where they, they planted that flag, what did they plant it into? Is it dirt below the ash? Is it rock below the ash? In fact, when you're landing the lem, when the lem splay pattern, well, you know, uh, wouldn't you have kicked the ash out in different directions? Eventually, you're going to see where. Oh, sorry. I mean, I'll, I'll end with the with the ash stuff. The lem, of course, if you zoom in, this is a beautiful high res picture. If you zoom in on the lem, <clears throat> it looks like it was made by a homeless person. It's made out of freaking cardboard and curtain wires and tin foil. I mean, you're telling me this thing went through 250,000 miles and is, you know, entered, you know, no, 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 no. Um, so two other things real quick. That satellite dish, which is supposedly pointing back at Texas, United States. Um, what exactly is powering that? Because of its battery technology, which it is, you know, they're not using a, a generator. Uh, even when matter if it was, I mean, the average, if you, you know a little bit about radio stations. <laughs> a radio station on a good day, even if it has 50,000 watts of power, is going to maybe do, you know, a, a small, you know, barely go outside of the city. It's not going to go very far. This thing with battery technology, and this is 1969, right? This little VHF transmitter on a on its best day, maybe has a range of 50 miles, maybe. And 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 even then, <laughs> 50 miles, uh, it's barely going to be able to transmit Morse code. And yet, this little dish right here is pumping out 10 frames of video per second with audio and doing send and receive audio transmissions, live transmissions, and its point with pinpoint accuracy at 250,000 miles through the Van Allen belts, with no interference whatsoever, it's it's a physical engineering impossibility. It's it's beyond ludicrous, and we just put it out there. Um, last but not least is the spacesuit, which I love so much. Which again is the thermodynamics thing. It goes into the whole gravity versus the vacuum of space, which is how are those spacesuits flexible in the slightest? Means pressure needs a container, right? So those spacesuits should just turn into a giant balloon. Instantly, I mean, they would turn into the the astronauts should be like a parade float. They they would not be able to boom with their arms or legs. There would be no articulation points. It would basically it's kind of like the argument I say. It's like why isn't a uh, a spacesuit a basketball? A basketball, you know, has got several layers in it. You pump it up, it is absolutely rigid. You cannot fold it. You not cannot bend it. It is a basketball. A spacesuit is the exact opposite. For whatever reason, it completely defies that. And people say, well, it's layers. It's just layers. No, 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 no. My winter coat has layers. All it does is stop the cold. How is in the world are these guys bending their knees, playing golf, and their hands should be absolutely worthless? They might as well be trying to fumble around with oven mitts. This this picture just sums it up all. I mean, as far as the Apollo program, this is why it has aged so terribly well. They hired an advertising firm to shoot these shots. And the advertising firm, most people don't know anything about physics. They All they want is like they want to create iconic, beautiful shots. And as we all know, in the marketing world, you know, it's all about illusion, right? It's, it's all actors and the perspectives are wrong, and, and but we don't care, right? It's like, it's like, well, you know, suspension of disbelief. Well, when it comes to the Apollo program, it's it's absolutely fabricated from, from second one. And the average person on the street doesn't know because they don't know, I, I shouldn't say they don't know science. They really just don't know physics. It's interesting, isn't it? Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Yeah, yeah. As you said, everyone understands about flat earth, right? The earth is not... A sphere per se, right? But it's still round, correct? Like it's almost just like a, a dinner plate, you would say. Like yeah, 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 yeah. So people, in fact, that's how we usually tell if a person's into flat earth or not because they'll use the word round. Um, and what we mean is we can, yeah, we can use the word round, mm-hmm. but a globe can't use the word round because a globe is three-dimensional and round can be used for two-dimensional or three-dimensional. So we say globe or sphere or ball. Um, what we're talking about here is, yes, the, the, the flat earth is basically um, a dinner plate which is covered with some sort of barrier. Uh, now, where that whole thing sits, I think, is probably inside a box because, and you know, engineering and computers and, and systems, they don't like circles. Uh, like, computer doesn't even know what a, a circle is. It, it basically draws little squares. Computer has no concept of a circle. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a dinner plate. It's Again, the, the versions I've thrown out there to people, uh, the, the one that resonates with a lot of people is snow globe because they've all seen what they look like. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of like a snow globe. Only the, the, the dome part of it doesn't have to be that high of an arc. It can be very, very low because most of our civilization lives at very, very low altitudes. 90% of the population lives between sea level and one mile up. And or one kilometer up, however, which way you want to look. Um, commercial airlines cap out at about 10 miles and spy planes about 20 miles. So it's very, very low by comparison to its width. In fact, it, out from the outside, it would kind of look like a, like a shallow sports stadium where, you know, a sports stadium, you don't, you don't have to make it that high. And I know you've compared it to something like The Truman Show, right? And I'm sure a lot of people have seen that film 
they can kind of get that whole idea. And do you think that's kind of in a basic sort of form, that's kind of what we're living? Almost like in a simulated... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I do. The 1998, 1998 movie, The Truman Show, which is such a wonderful, one of Jim Carrey's best, I think. Um, but the concept is really what drew it, um, which was that we built, the Americans built like a 20-mile-wide soundstage and raised a child inside it, which, of course, they wouldn't do just one child. They do multiple children. Um, and then he, But he didn't know because why would he? Um, the, the great line from there is that, we believe the world is that is presented to us. And the inside of the technology, which was kind of a hybrid of, of modern and older technology, uh, you know, you could simulate the stars and the sun and the moon, and, uh, and it was quite convincing. And we can actually, you know, for the, as far as the nighttime stuff, our planetariums can do that very, very easily. Now, that's the mechanical side of things. Uh, and, and might as well get into it a little bit because I'm sure you've touched on it before, which is it, the Truman Show was mechanical in nature. It was a physical structure, whereas like the Matrix was digital in nature. It was, it was a virtual reality. It was a simulation. And I hate to say it, and, and I, I, but, I, but it's something I believe in, which is, um, look, if it's, if it's, if it's uh, a flat enclosed structure, it really leans towards virtual. It leans towards a simulation, um, mostly because of what we've been building ourselves over the last 15, 20 years. Our simulations have gotten way more complex. We haven't been able to tie, to, you know, to tap into the human brain yet, nor I think there's probably going to be some ethical issues if we ever go down that road. But there are experiments that anyone thinks I'm kidding here, I think it's far-fetched. And, and I don't go into it that much because people don't understand it. Unless you've done software development at all, you fully are, are, you're not going to get a lot of the simulation stuff. I mean, The Matrix is 20 years old now. And, you know, it's not like we've, we've seen this big revolution in terms of people that believe in simulations. It's like, oh, it's a good movie. It's like, yeah, but you're not getting it. You're not getting kind of like when um, when Tron first came out, the the one the Tron from the '80s. You know, ninety nine percent of the population didn't even own computers, and Tron didn't make much of an impact because people didn't get it. Um, the, what I'm what I'm getting at here is the simulation theory, for example. If the, there's something called the double slit experiment, and anyone can look this up, which basically says that. When you're not looking at something, whatever's behind you is not being rendered graphically uh, to the nth degree. It's not. It's not using max graphics. And you're saying, okay, what's that got to do with thing? I'm going. Well, that's what we do in computer simulations, and we kind of did that on accident. Basically, if anyone's ever played games, and I'm sure you have too, is if the I say it about characters. So if you're, the character in your game is never going to go to the other side of that mountain in the distance, do you draw that mountain? Do you draw the other side of that mountain if you're a programmer? No, you don't. It's conservation of resources. Why would you draw the mountain? It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of, of computer power. Well, that's what we see here in our real world. And you're thinking, wow, it sounds like a movie plot. It's like, yeah, it was the 13th floor, <laughs> which was done in, in uh, 1999 uh, as well, which was based on a German movie called uh, World on a Wire from the 1970s, why the Germans would make a computer simulation movie in the 1970s, I don't have any idea. And that was based on a book from at least a decade earlier called Simulcron 3, which was you know, kind of the, pre the predecessor to the word simulation that we use. And 
it's it happens. I mean, it's it's out there, but I can't say that. I mean, people don't understand simulations, so I don't I don't I don't use it. You had to start somewhere, and the easiest thing to bring up is flat. But if it is flat and an enclosed, then you are there. There's a high probability that you're living in some sort of simulation. The idea of it being a simulation that resonates more with me, I suppose, rather than a physical structure right that's actually well sure i mean but but people want remember people want the easy stuff so they'll say well how does the sun and the moon work they want me to define things physically mechanically so when i told people (laughs) and i know people gave me grief for it it's like you're saying that you know there's an artificial system that's pumping lava mechanically underneath the ground i'm going yeah yeah why why would you why would you make anything organic and and the only reason people fought back on that one is because we've never really made movies that have covered that and we've never filled in the gaps with science fiction so they don't have any reference point and they say oh that's stupid that's ridiculous that's going oh, so you're only saying that because you've never thought of it but you never in a, if it was an artificial world nothing would be organic you're not going to leave anything to chance so when people were worried about like super volcanoes I'm going well Super volcano is a nice idea, uh, you know. It's very scary and dramatic, but you'd never allow that to happen in an environment like this. It's if it's completely controlled, you, you're not going to let it get wiped out, you know, just in a blink of an eye. There's nothing random here. Why for what was it? Was it about two thousand years? We've had this construct that the the world isn't flat, right? Right. Did, was it? Did it sort of happen in the sense of they believed it actually was? It wasn't flat anymore. Or, or oh, I, they... th- I think I think it was introduced okay. artificially, uh, okay, and, and I I, I kind of touched out on that in the clues, which is yeah, why what happened? You know, why why did all of a sudden we go from flat to non-flat? Why did every culture draw the same thing for a while, for a long time, most of our most of our history, and then all of a sudden? Science introduces the globe. I mean, yeah, I know there's people who say, well, you know, Eratosthenes and those guys back, the Greeks back in the day. It's like, yeah, but I don't really count them because they were leaning towards the sphere, but they had no map for it. So remember, no one was even really exploring back then. So you're you're, fine. You want to introduce a sphere with no map to go with it? Eh, the credibility is just not really there. It really wasn't until 500 years ago when the Copernican model and the Mercator map, they actually came out about the same time, which is interesting because the Mercator map is what we use in classrooms today, which is also fascinating. If you guys want to look it up, um, Mercator versus, and even even mainstream science will agree. It's like, no, yeah, the Mercator map is absolutely wrong. Um, it should look like the Gall Peters map. The continents are not what the sizes they should be. You know, and you can tell the Mercator map because Greenland, this massive continent, it's about the same size of Af- as size of Africa, uh, exists on the map, and it's like it shouldn't be that big, and it's it's tiny by comparison. Greenland's super small. It's like 17 times smaller than Africa, but the map still shows it, and it's like okay, so why don't we introduce? Uh, the correct map into the system, and that's because, well, it, for whatever reason, they they don't they think it's a jar to the system, and so they don't want to do it. So the map that gets pulled down in front of the class is still the Mercator map. It's five hundred years old and wrong, and people keep saying it. Um, but it, I think it was introduced artificially by the builders or builder, depending on what your preference is, uh, because human beings are really really curious about stuff. And if you tell people there's an end to the world, an edge to the world, by the way, the title of my new book, and End of the World, Flat Earth Clues, End of the World, 
And you tell people it's out there, they're going to go for it eventually. Um, and for the longest time, and you got to put it out there way in advance and tell them there is no edge. It's a globe, so there's no edge. So you can go round and round and round and round, and you're never going to find the edge. You're stuck here. You're stuck on this ball. And by that, I mean, let's say you're the king of France in, I don't know, 1600, right? You have wooden ships and you have horses. What are you going to do with that? And, and somebody tells you what, that there is an end to the world. Somebody shows you a flat earth map. What are you going to do with that? You, there's nothing. You can't do anything with it. It wasn't until 100 years ago that we even had the tech to even get to even start really exploring things and that was the internal combustion engine when we started building planes so and by that i mean really wasn't in fact we you know we haven't even had jets that long if we and uh, pressurized aircraft we haven't even had that long by comparison to, to the rest of civilization and that's why when they started exploring the government's new they still had the old maps but they couldn't exp- they couldn't do anything until almost 1960 and that's when they just started saying they're guys- well actually they started saying their guys about 1930 it took them 30 years to figure it out they they sent admiral birds to the north pole in 1928 and they found something whatever it is i don't know a big opening big tower frost giants who knows where they found they they said okay well we're going to go out to antarctica and he spent you know the pretty much the rest of his life flying military aircraft in antarctica looking for what i consider to be the end you know the ed- the big edge of the world and when they found it that's when everything changed it's like okay now that we know now we can you know start to dictate policy and and again we they you know you don't tell the public it might have been one of your questions like why why don't you tell the public yeah. it's like are you kidding the public what's that line from men in black it's like a person is smart but people are dumb panicky and dangerous and you know it you tell people that all of a sudden they're you know that you're not that that, well we won't go into religious aspects of it too much but i mean you tell them first off that god is real and it's like fine it may not be a you know santa claus in a bathrobe sitting on a cloud type god Because you know there's five five major religious houses out there, but that that alone would spook people terribly. Plus, you know the economic side of things, which is uh, our economics are really really twitchy, and you'd have to you'd have to suspend world trading for months to figure out what was going on there. And then of course academia, which is uh, you know as, as astronomy and astrophysics would shut down tomorrow, and then the rest of the physical sciences, you know biology, hydrology, archaeology. Uh, just take your pick. Anything with an ology next to it, those would have to be completely retooled. Academia, think of every university in every country. Those would have to be, you know, not just universities, high schools as well. Everything would have to be redone. Um, that's a lot of chaos, and they're not going to do it. They're just not, they're not, not until they can figure out a way, and maybe they have. Maybe that's why it's coming out now. Maybe that's why we're talking about it, is that they've come, they've figured out a way to introduce it to the public. And if you're wondering how the, how that came about, well, think of what's happened in the last 20 years. We've got high-speed internet, we've got social media, and we've got six billion smartphones. You want to put out the same message out to everybody, and you know full well. I mean, people are just walking around with their phones all day. You can get the same message out to everybody within minutes. And they would you know, all you have to do is spin a story, and you could kind of turn it in your direction. And so now I'm kind of I think that flat Earth is part of a bigger a bigger agenda where flat, I do believe that flat earth is real, but I think it is part of um, it, it opens minds up to bigger possibilities because if you can get it, your head around flat earth, then you're going to be open to just about everything. 
And that's when you introduce something bigger. And at that point, where are we talking about a celestial event? Are we talking about the introduction of an old, old civilization that you can play off as aliens or maybe not aliens? And you say, well, that's, that's super, you know, I don't know, that's really fringy and way out there. I'm going, really? Because the United States, the United States, I'm not picking, I don't vote. The United States is going to re-elect a reality television star as the president of the United States. Don't, don't, don't tell me that what's, what's impossible. Don't tell me what's, what's weird. Uh, there's a lot of really, really super strange stuff that's happening out there that even I wouldn't have said was 10 years ago would have been possible. And I, I think we're, we're, we're at that, that apex of, you know, where things get loudest just before the, the big explosion. So that's why I think it's coming. From my like research recently, obviously, um, there's points you raised of why not to tell people kept coming up, uh, especially the, I guess the breakdown of science and people kind of conforming back to religion. Like, and I'm just curious, what's your, um, do you have much sort of religious belief or kind of where do you stand with that? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well I grew up, uh, in a, in a very strong born again Christian household, you know, evangelical type thing, um, where church wasn't just a Sunday thing. It was, uh, you know, I had youth group and vacation Bible school and went to camp up in, you know, Christian camp up in, uh, British Columbia, Canada. And, but then, uh, but, I, but, I, but I grew up on a rural island when this happened. And so when I left and went to university, uh, everything kind of changed for me. You know, my eyes were opened and, and then I got into conspiracies and then I got into tech. And if you're getting into tech, you know, if you're, if you're into that a lot, um, you know, that pulls you away from spirituality because you're, you're more interested in, again, the science of, of things. I, I love the globe. I love the, the globe icons. I love physics. Um, I loved all the science. He loved science fiction. I mean, Star Wars, Stargate, I mean, stuff like that. And, but then when I got into flat earth, um, all that changed. And because the default shape of the, of the flat earth means that it was built, it was constructed and, you know, it's not, it's not this big bang random accident thing. It was constructed by something, by some, by someone. And if that's the case, Again, you know, take your pick. It's you, it's either the divine or some older civilization that's much more powerful than our own. At that point, you know, one man's advanced civilization is another man's deity. And so, and I saw this again and again and again with people that were getting into Flat Earth. Or they were, um, I mean, like for example, in the United States, at least half of the members are really strong Christians. And because if they were, it, because, and they, and I really didn't really go into this much in the, in the, in the series, but people were pointing out, they were start going through the Bible. It's like, what does this mean? What does flat earth mean? It's like the curse now of all pastors that are out there because congregations are coming up to them saying, what does flat earth mean to, to the, in the Bible? And there's this uh, great guy named Rob Skiba who made a website called testingtheglobe.com where he he went through with a, with a fine-tooth comb uh, chapter and verse, and he goes, except for one verse, it's basically a flat-earth book. you know. And, and I don't go into too many chapters and ver- chapter and verses, but there are some an, amazing stories along those lines. Um, the most notable, which I covered in the, que- the clues, was the Tower of Babel, which is, that's Genesis, where, okay, if... You're on a ball, you know, if it's a bridge to heaven, it's building that's literally going to reach heaven, connect, you know, to, to, to the outside this world. 
then the can the world can't be moving because otherwise it's going to be a, it's basically a needle on an orange that's just spinning you know uh, the earth's spinning a thousand miles an hour and it's going around the earth, the solar you know the sun at 60,000 miles an hour and it's spinning sideways through the galaxy at half a million miles an hour well that that means the Tower of Babel is never in the same place at, at, at any given time, so it, it's worthless. But if it's a snow globe, then that tower is going exactly one place. And that really resonated with some people, even though I never even used the chapter or verse or even said the Tower of Babel at any time during the clues. People got it. And the Christian community just latched onto it, and every other story they, they grabbed uh, po- pointed in the same direction, with the exception of one. And that was one verse, which was um, Isaiah forty twenty two. He who sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Well, again, you know, the ancient Hebrew, you know, and its circle is different. Circle is not ball. It's not globe. It's not sphere. It's circle. Your dinner plate, your dining room table, your hubcap, they're all circular. So at best, it's it's a gray area. And yet there are pastors that are literally hanging on by their fingernails to that verse because they don't want to go to their congregation and say, oh yeah, by the way, I know that we used to think the earth was flat and we renounced it just so science could do its thing, but now it's flat again. They don't, they don't, want, to, they don't want to say it. So yeah, for spirituality for me, I've got a, but I've got a deeper understanding for it now. I, I've got much more respect for, <clears throat> like, yeah, I was raised born again Christian, but I am not going to denounce or even dismiss the other four major religious houses, which are um, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, and Islam. Because, I, you know, one, they all have at least a billion followers, and they're all as dedicated as Christians. So I think they all have pieces of the same puzzle, and I think that's part of the mystery, that it's all been scattered. You know, the puzzle was broken and scattered you know, to all these different places and people. And I think in the end, they're all going to have to come together before it's over. I think the way, Mark, you just broke it all kind of down is going to resonate with people, uh, at least who have listened to me a fair bit, I suppose, um, some other episodes, like the whole idea that the earth is constructed for a sole purpose by someone or some sort of civilization, right? Um, right. I've definitely spoken about that. I wasn't raised religious per se, but... My my mum's quite spiritual, and I went to a um, Church of England uh, high school and things like that. So religion was ah. it was a part of like the daily sort of thing, but it was just kind of going on in the background, I suppose. And then obviously, when I got more and more into the um, extraterrestrial kind of stuff, that really resonated with me in the sense of like a god doesn't have to be this like angelic type being, where you know it's one person, be all end all. Um, the whole concept of I suppose another civilization. You know, they, they are the creator in a sense. And I've spoken sure. to um, a few different people on the podcast who have that same sort of idea. So the fact that you sort of have summarized it in a sense of that's kind of how you are seeing it. And that is kind of, it's just funny because like I would never have even thought Flat Earth could come into that. But the fact that that's kind of like what you see the bigger picture as, and that's very on the same sort of plane of like where I am right now, that's that's kind of like just spun me out a little bit, I suppose. Because, ah. you know, I don't know, it's... I just never saw those two sort of interconnecting and now that's sort of just given me like a lot to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's a weird journey. Um, everyone, the, the flat earth concept starts out as such a simple thing. The more you look at it, you realize it's much more complex and it has way more ramifications than, than you ever thought. It just starts out as a simple thing. You know, it's like, Oh, it's flat earth, right? It's the world's flat. And then, but the, the connotations behind it, 
are, I mean, they shake the very foundations of science. As I just said, like, it's so fascinating, I think, just because there's so much that, as you said, sort of goes on in the background and it, it just sparks so many other ideas and how so much of it's kind of connected to, I don't know, I guess a lot of other topics um, I've spoken about on this podcast. So it's just, it's put it in a very different um, oh, light for oh me, yeah, you, you know? you'll have to revisit every, if you get into Flat Earth, you have to revisit every conspiracy you ever did. Yeah. Um, there's only one, here's the good news for, for conspiracy people out there. Uh, the good news is, is just about every conspiracy dovetails into Flat Earth because Flat Earth is so physically huge that every conspiracy is under its umbrella. The bad news is there's only there is one conspiracy. If you remember a guy named uh, Richard Hoagland from from some years ago, he was the one of the cons- early conspiracy guys that said that there's a secret space program, not just not just a normal space program, but a super secret, super advanced space program. There's like five million people living on the moon and hundreds of thousands of people living on Mars, and the and you know and basically Earth has already started colonizing things. Well. That's one of the only ones that can't dovetail into flat Earth because you can't actually colonize the moon or Mars or anything. They're just pretty lights in the sky. And in fact, I was supposed to debate him uh, a couple of years ago, and he 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 bailed. He wasn't going to do it um, because I think he realized that flat Earth just flew in the face of it, and they, they were just he wasn't going to be he wasn't going to be able to go anywhere with it. But yeah, you have to revisit everything. Yeah. Uh, oh, especially especially. And, and by the way, aliens absolutely would dovetail into flat Earth. But they wouldn't be from Mars and Jupiter. No, of course not. They would just be older versions of ourselves. And, you know, if you're into that stuff, uh, you know full well that there's older versions of our civilization that have been kind of swept under the rug. You know, the sunken cities off of Japan, sunken cities off of India, the Bosnian pyramids, Bimini Road, the real pyramids, and so on and so on. Those... Um, the you know I, I believe that that older civilizations we're not the first civilization to rent this apartment by a long shot and I think it's kind of like the prime directive I think that every civilization has their time frame and then they are moved off kind of like a graduating class and you know it's like well you can't <laughs> you don't have to go home but you have to get the hell out of here yeah. and they're they're moved off to somewhere and they're not allowed to interact directly with the with the with the current population prime directive style and if you think i'm kidding look up something i don't know if you've ever covered it on on your show um look up something called the 1561 nuremberg event which is fascinating it is people it's like when you ask somebody what's the greatest ufo sighting of all time of course the average person will say oh it's roswell it's roswell no it's not roswell it's the 1561 Nuremberg event um, where uh, uh, two giant space armadas <laughs> just started duking it out over one of the biggest cities in Europe at the time, Nuremberg, for a full hour on a beautiful sunny morning in April. And and after after a long time, and they had sketch artists. Remember, there was no photography back then. They had sketch artists drew the whole th- damn thing out. And these two factions battled for a whole hour, and then a third faction showed up, a giant single black angular craft pulled up right between them. The other two scatter and they even talked about an ancient aliens briefly, although they left out the third faction, which I thought was interesting because it raises huge amounts of questions, which is okay. First off, why were the two there in the first place? Who were they? Why they hate each other? Um, who's the third group? Were they the cops? Were they the UN? Obviously the two groups couldn't take on this third group. So they had to leave. Um, 
And the my bigger question is why to take what, what you know response time? It took the other group a full hour to show up. Did they find some sort of dead zone, some sort of radar zone? Were they not? You know, it was it was amazing. Um, and but the point was that all three of these factions have not dealt with us directly. You know, they they uh, I don't think you like anything like with Star Trek. You're not supposed to land in Main Street anywhere, come out, take a few selfies, sign a few autographs and and leave because it would have way too much of an impact on the population. And I think those ships that are flying around, all those those ancient civilizations, uh, I think there's remnants of them still around. Yeah. And they're just kind of it's part of the system. I think one day we will be those guys. Where you know there'll be survivors of our civilization. I don't know how many, because uh, Lord knows the. Uh, uh, sorry, let me let me. Um, I got to throw this in there because people say, well, you know, we're not that bad. You know, are we? I've I said, are we a um, uh, a box full of kittens that's meant to be protected from the outside world? Or are we a box full of, full of scorpions that never, ever should be let out under any circumstances? And you think, well, that might be extreme. I go, no, look at we're, – we're critical for ourselves. Look at the original movie, um, The Day the Earth Stood Still, from, from the 50s. I mean the premise of that was is that a, a civilization came down, saw us and said, oh, yeah, by the way, don't you even think about colonizing anything <laughs> because you're horrible. I mean, it's true. I mean, we, we're barbarians by, by comparison to just about every science fiction thing we ever write. We're, we're always the bad guys. We ne- we, in fact, have we ever written a science fiction story where we're the elegant ones? It's always somebody else. It's like, you know, they're more calm, more rational. We just seem to set fire to everything. I just want to understand, who do you think knows about uh, the full kind of, well, at least most of the story, right? So you're kind of saying NASA's in on it. Um, what governments know about the Earth being flat? At the highest levels, here's the thing. Um, this is a need-to-know deal. This isn't like the Manhattan Project where you hire hundreds of thousands of people to refine uranium for the atomic bomb. And they all know something, but they don't, you know, nobody knows everything. At the highest levels, I would think, yeah, maybe a few thousand people know. As far as the the full story of it, you know, because you're going to have to have, but but you don't need to tell people that much. Like for example, like keeping keeping the Antarctic Treaty intact and making sure that like British Petroleum doesn't make a big fuss about not being able to go to Antarctica, right? All you have to do is tell the exec you have a military guy from I don't know MI6 or whatever British intelligence. You go to them and say, look, it's national security. Don't think about doing anything in Antarctica uh, and make sure you tell whoever your predecessor is, you know, whoever gets hired after you. And if you don't, we're going to tell them one way. All, we, all we're saying is don't, you know, it's we're keep it quiet. All you have to do is say national security. So the space agencies at the highest levels, yes, some, a few people here and there, the telemetry guys. In fact, you probably want to hire the same telemetry guys to do certain projects. Governments, like, does the president of the United States know? I think he knows something, but until you are officially briefed, what do you really know? So he may suspect things, but until you get a military briefing saying exactly how it's laid out, you don't have to you don't have to know anything. So, and honestly, the president of the United States and most leaders are uh, public leaders; they're just puppets anyway. You know, it's the it's the people with the the bank accounts that have so many digits; it doesn't matter. The people that could sink economies; those guys probably know. 
Um, but very, very few people, very, very few people like the military people that, that protect certain zones. Again, they suspect things, but it's no different than what, what military does now. Remember the spy reference I gave you earlier, which was you're paid to do a certain job. There's an old, there's how many, how many sayings? We'll use the, one of the oldest, which is it's above your pay grade. You can't, you're not allowed to, it's above your security clearance to ask certain questions. So need, need to know basis. Does the, you know, the average fighter pilot that's guarding something need to know? Nope. Does the president of the United States need to know? Nope. Does Neil deGrasse Tyson need to know? Nope. Why would you? You want these guys acting naturally. They've seen what happens when people find out. And by that, look at the Apollo astronauts after they got back from the moon during the international press conference. These guys looked like, like a family member had died. Yeah. I'd never seen a group look so guilty in all my life. <laughs> They're sitting in front of the international press. It's like, why? And that's because they told them. Why wouldn't they? It's like, all right, let's try this out. Let's see what happens. And it's it's too big for the average person to keep a secret. And like you know, it, and of course you feel guilty, you know, when you have parades and schools, you know, that are named after you. Anyway, yeah, very few people by comparison, thousands, thousands at most, at most. The rest of the people just they know something, but they don't know the whole story. Yeah, so interesting, isn't it? Yeah, again, I, I, if you would have gone to me five years ago and said, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, this is what you're going to be doing. You're, you're, you're going to be doing this full time and traveling around to different countries and, and speaking and writing and making videos on it. I would have looked at you and I would have said, get the hell out of here. There's, there's, no, there's no way. There's no way in a million years. And that's whatever that's, again, shows you kind of the power of the topic. Because everybody starts out that way. Everybody says, well, well, Flat Earth is the stupidest thing ever. And then all of a sudden I hear from them a month later. They say, yeah, you know what? <laughs> it's, it's not the craziest thing ever. And I go, I know, right? It can't, and, and all I did, all I did was I made the dummy's guide for it. I didn't invent Flat Earth. I didn't invent even Flat Earth 2.0. Uh, all I did was I created the, um, the, the, the dummy's guide, the 101 book, which nobody had done. Nobody had, had boiled it down for the layman. And that again, call it luck, call it fate, call it synchronicity. Uh, that was part of my training. That's what I did was I boiled things down for people. And so I just made this, this series of ideas, which used like no math <laughs> and just really just put it out there. I, I honestly, I didn't even know the curvature of the earth when I made them. I didn't know. I just said, look, everything I look at points at this in the same direction which is the world is not what you think it is. It's there's something more, there's something happening here at the very most basic level. It's flat. And that's where you start. And then after that, you know, you're just kind of wandering around a new world trying to figure out what it all, not only what exactly the shape is, but what it means. And that's where we are now. That's where I am. That's what I do every day. It's like, uh, you know, not only do I try to shut down flat earth every day, which I can't do. It's, it's a silly attempt. Uh, but I also try to figure out what it means. And still to this day, even now, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, which is great. And it's, I don't know, it's just so interesting, I think, um, from my perspective of just hearing, I just didn't realize, I suppose, how I knew there was obviously going to be other sort of layers to it, but um, just hearing yourself sort of talk about it, like it's always, it's kind of like a, a running thing. Um, like I spoke to a exorcist uh, a couple weeks back and literally you yeah. know, talking about obviously religion and how exorcisms have kind of come into that. But next minute we're talking about aliens and how that's all kind of connected. So it always 
it's it's like mm. as soon as you start to look at these sort of um I don't know, like almost paranormal, supernatural, what pseudoscience kind of topics. It's bizarre how everything does sort of intertwine. And I, honestly, I just didn't think Flat Earth could come into that. And now, like, look at me, you know, we've been talking for like an hour and a half now. I'm just going, wow, that really is oh, yeah. something, you know, something there, I think. Yeah, there's an old saying that I love so much, which is um, things are never, uh, well, rarely, things are rarely ever what they first appear to be. And, you know, we all have our certain impressions, you know, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. But when you start looking into a topic as, as big as this and, and other stuff, there seems to be a lot of in, interconnectivity. And uh, you run into the same stuff over and over and things that are being used for multiple purposes. And uh, yeah, there's, there's uh, what's the line from um, JFK? The, you know, there's definitely, you know, there's a lot of smoke, but there also is some fire here. There's something, there's something else to it. So yeah, I encourage people. It's like, look, well, first off, yeah, again, if you enjoy your life, don't do it. Don't look at it. Don't, don't do it. Which is a little bit of a reverse psychology because I know they will. Uh, but the other part is if you do look into it, just you know, take it slow. I, I kind of, let, let me end it on this, which is I kind of treat it like I, it's one of my running jokes, which is the flat earth drug deal. Which if you can imagine a guy standing on a street corner with a trench coat with a whole bunch of drugs and all these drugs are conspiracies, right? All these, all the conspiracies you've ever heard of. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, I got this one drug for you, man, but I don't know if I should give it to you because, you know, maybe too much. <laughs> it's like, if you take it, you know, it's like, and of course the person's like, oh no, I totally want this drug. And it's like, no, no, my, well, if you do it, don't, don't take too much, man. Don't take it. You didn't get it from me. And that's what it's like where, you know, it's this weird new drug that once you're, you know, if you, if you take too much too quickly, you're gonna, you're gonna freak out a bit. You're gonna sit, you're gonna, you're not gonna sleep. <laughs> you're gonna stay up and people I've, I've had too much where people like watching videos and watching videos and they fall asleep and they get up and they watch more videos and not my stuff. You know, you know, there's so much content out there. Um, uh, the, there's, if you, if you want to look at it, there's just a ton of content now. Uh, in fact, mainstream, I mean, just about every large channel and mainstream channel has now covered it. So, you know, you'll find the good stuff. The good stuff's out there. So you'll not, not hard to find. It's that same thing as you just said there. Like if you enjoy your life, don't, don't look into any of this. Yeah, sort of don't stuff. do it. But like, don't do it. it, it ig- well, ignorance is bliss. It, it always exactly has right. been. Yeah. It's just, it blows so, me away when people can't. I don't know, they just kind of live their everyday lives and they don't think about, you know, these bigger sort of picture things. And it, Well, most of the time, yeah, ignorance is bliss, but if they get a glimmer of the truth, in fact, there's this great line from uh, JFK. If anyone hasn't watched it from the early 90s, I would I would highly recommend it just to watch the, the Donald Sutherland monologue towards the end of the movie where he said that deep down people are suckers for the truth. They, uh, people love getting, because we're, we're big gossip hounds anyway. You know, we love telling stories to each other and, and this, this is why, sorry, I gotta get this one more thing out was flat earth has kind of leaped beyond the internet to it's become a campfire story, which is when you're talking to somebody on the street, um, usually, you know, so let's talk about the weather and, and then you talk about sports teams and usually end with somebody, you know, exchanging interesting stories. It's like, Oh, I heard that you eat three ounces of chocolate. A di- you know, a week, you know, you could reduce your chances of liver cancer, something like that, right? And then Flat Earth now has become part of that conversation where it's like, oh, yeah? Oh, I got one for you. <laughs> I heard, I saw a thing on YouTube the other day, there's people that believe the Earth is flat. 
you know, and then you bring up some little factoid about it. And they, I mean, that's what happens. I've seen it now time and time again. It does not, Flat Earth is spreading outside of the internet. And so it's a weird little, because again, the concept is easy, kind of like the English language. What they say is uh, English is easy to learn, really difficult to master. And because we, we break our own rules with the English language and same thing with flat earth and that is easy to learn, but man, there's a lot. I mean, you know, even after four years, I'm still picking up new stuff every week. So if people who are interested in your work, Mark, uh, what's the best way for them to come across that? Uh, easiest way is just to Google flat earth clues. That was the main series that's out there. Um, that, that that'll, that'll get you to most of the stuff The the big documentary that was made, uh, it was called Behind the Curve, which is on everything. You can find it on everything from Netflix to iTunes to Amazon and stuff like that. Uh, my book is called Flat Earth Clues. Uh, the second book is also going to be called Flat Earth Clues. first one was called The Sky's the Limit. The second one, which will be coming out in a couple of months, is called um, End of the World, uh, which is kind of a dig on science because they keep calling it saying it's going to be the end of the world. And uh, the YouTube channel is just my name, Mark Sargent. You can just type in Mark Sargent into YouTube. You'll find me. Easy to find. Uh, just you know, and there's so many content people out there that are making stuff. So don't be shy about clicking on on other people that that make content. There's just a slew of them. I mean, I mean now there's, I mean there's thousands and thousands of hours of content out there. So you know, poke around, see what what resonates with you. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me let me throw one more in there, which is um, for new people just getting into this. I made a playlist especially for new people. It's called the Flat Earth Shortlist for New People. And it's a collection of the easiest to digest videos from different content makers. And I think there's only like 20, 25 videos in there. So check that out. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mark, for coming on the podcast and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, man. Well, there you guys go. Flat Earth, hey? I wouldn't say he changed my mind per se, but he is definitely made me interested to go and just check it out because I just want to know more about where they're kind of coming from. Like any conspiracy theory, you know, if it's a good one, you're not necessarily convinced. Like any conspiracy theory I've talked about on this podcast, I don't think I'm necessarily completely convinced, but I think it's good to open your mind and think a little, you know, a little more about what could actually potentially going on with some of these topics. Mark knows so much about what is going on and it's hard to actually kind of argue because he is so educated on his point of view and it's kind of uh it's very difficult for me to kind of come in and be like oh because i'm not that like not that across the topic so i'm definitely going to do some more uh reading and then uh i'd love to catch up with him again in the future and talk more about the topic so thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of paranormal thoughts podcast and thank you to mark Sargent for coming on once again hope to see you in another podcast episode real soon thanks bye Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.